This is the Cyclone Fanatic Built to Lead podcast series. Presented by Graphite Construction Group. We build it better. Learn more at graphitegrp.com. Now, here's Chris Williams. What is up? Welcome to a brand new Built to Lead podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, the Built to Lead series. We haven't done one in a few months. We're going to catch up on these. It gets really difficult during the season, but um, I'm really, really, really excited to bring you guys today's. Uh, Brock Purdy just wrapped up his legendary Iowa State football career, and um, he was kind enough on Saturday to take some time out of his training for the NFL Draft Uh, to join me to reflect on his Iowa State football career. Uh, We'll do that courtesy of our friends at Graphite Construction Group, of course. Uh, We build it better. Check them out at graphitegrp.com. Now, Brock Purdy is the greatest quarterback in the history of Iowa State football. He holds every record possible. He's an elite leader behind the scenes as well. We'll talk about all of that, the future of the program, Brock's future. Does he ever want to coach? Stuff like that. We'll get into all of that and more coming up here on the Built to Weed podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Brock Purdy, right around the corner, folks. All right. Well, he's, um, I think, in Jacksonville, Florida is what he told me. And preparing for the NFL draft, the uh, he, he won't want me to say he's the greatest quarterback in Iowa State history. Hopefully that gets a smile out of him. Brock Purdy joins me. What's up, brother? How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, my friend. Tell tell the Iowa State fans listening. Uh, the season just ended, obviously, but you're you're already working towards the next aspect of your career. What what are you What are you doing right now? Yep. So now I'm down in Jacksonville, Florida, um, training really this whole month for the East West Shrine Bowl, which is at the end of the month, and then I'll come back um, to Jacksonville for another three to four weeks and train for the combine, the NFL combine. And then uh, after that, I'll be back in Ames um, training for the pro day. So it's a busy, busy off season, but I love it. So I'm ready for it. Did you even come back or did you just stay in Florida after the bowl game? Yeah, I just stayed down here in Florida with my family. Um, We have some family friends that live a little south of Orlando and went out to their ranch and did some fishing and just hung out. And then from there, I drove up to Jacksonville after a couple of days. And so here we are. Awesome. Well, um, I, I just kind of wanted to take time with you to just reflect on everything, man. Like it, it, it's weird for me. I mean, I, I specifically remember sitting in, uh, I was doing one of these with Matt and he told me about this prep from Arizona. He was in love with, and I, I think he called you like the next, uh, Baker Mayfield or it was something like that. One of, one of Matt's deals. And, and, and here we are. Um, and it didn't take long. I mean, you got to, you got to campus and, uh, you started playing and now like you're, you're one of the most revered players in Iowa state history. Have you, I don't know, is it sunk into you that it's over or I, 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 where are you at in the process? Yeah. Um, it's a little weird right now just cause I feel like it's, you know, the guys that are coming back to Iowa state, they're still on break and you know, they're, I haven't seen anything in terms of them you know, going and training or having any kind of practices. So I just feel like I'm just like one of them, Yeah. you know, but I am training, but obviously not named. So I think once I start seeing them do some stuff, I'll be like, man, like, yeah, I'm not with them anymore. It is a little different. Um, but, uh, the past week or so, 
definitely, yeah, look back on, you know, all the good times, the, the tough times, but just all the memories that I had at Iowa State, what I've been able to do, um, you know, for my team and everything. And so, I, I don't know. I think it's going to hit me a little bit more down the road, I think. Um, so, really a week out of playing my last game, you know, for Iowa State. So, it'll hit me more as we go. You're one of those guys, I, I was I was talk about this, where when you play at Iowa State, and there, there's other colleges like this too, but like if you – if you give a certain level of yourself, not necessarily physically, but like uh, where people can get to know you a little bit, like Iowa State fans have you. I mean, I, I've never seen like a family be more beloved than yours. Like I'll see like your your mom and dad walking at a game and people are taking selfies with them, right? Like it's um, – do you feel that? Like it, it – you're one of like maybe five – I've been doing this 18 years now. You're maybe one of like five guys that I could say that maybe got into that realm with Iowa state fans. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's, that's just who aims in the community and aims in central Iowa. Like that's, that's who they are. And so they've made it really easy for, you know, my family to be able to come in, welcome my family and, and be loyal to them and real with them. Um, you know, obviously being a quarterback, um, you can be praised for the great things that happen or, and then even the tough times, you know, people will, you know, start looking down on you and picking you apart and stuff like that. But, um, the people in Ames, man, the cycle nation, like it honestly is different. And so, um, I honestly feel for the four years that I played, um, you know, the majority had my back, um, through the great, through the lows, all that kind of stuff. And, and along with my family, you know, my family's going to games, they're in the environment, uh, for tailgating and, um, just obviously being in the stands at the game. So they've done nothing but, you know, you know, welcome my family with open arms and I couldn't be more thankful. Um, you don't get that in a lot of places and, uh, to be able to have that, you know, for four years has meant a lot to me as a player, knowing that my family is going to, you know, have a lot of support as well. Um, no matter where they go around Cyclones. So it, it, it's crazy. Cause Chuba is kind of a, a free agent right now. And, I I've, I've always followed him on Twitter because uh, because of you and uh, he every time he'll he'll like tweet out an offer like I'll retweet it and then Iowa State fans are just liking it like crazy like yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that where like the little brother it's like it doesn't matter where he goes Iowa State fans are gonna be rooting for him exactly yeah you can definitely feel that you know the sense of love and support um, from those Cyclone fans to my family like doesn't get any better than that and they, I think. The cool thing about the Cyclone fans, like they actually care about who you are as a person and the character that you have and everything like that. Um, and so they see that in my family, which I'm very thankful for. And, and it's pretty cool. Like my brother probably won't go to Iowa state and he's going to go to another school and for them to have, you know, my brother's back, my family's back. Like that, that means a lot to me. So um, definitely, yeah, like I said, before, I'm thankful for him. So you got a million records, um, we, we know about the turnaround in the program, I guess. What are you looking back now? What are you most proud of, of your Iowa state career? Yeah. I mean, the records, the games, um, it's all great, but to be honest, man, um, you know, after Clemson, we're in the locker room and all the guys is coming up, hugging and crying on the relationships that you've built with these guys that, you know, come from, all over the country, everyone has a different kind of background. Um, 
And so for me to be able to take those like different kinds of human beings um, and come together and be on one mission and goal and to be able to do what we did at Iowa state who historically, you know, hasn't been the best um, with football to me, that's something that I always remember and cherish um, probably the most. That's what I'm most proud of. And so I know you probably get that answer from a lot of football guys and whatnot, the relationships and all that kind of thing, but it's so true. Like, I looked at a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball after that game, and I just cried, like, man, we're not even on the field at the same time. But, like, the work that I've seen you put in through the four years and hanging out off the field, trying to get this program and culture to where we want it to go, um, and we did, to me, like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm most proud of. So, Let me editorialize here just a minute, because this was my takeaway from the, the Clemson game. I mean, clearly with – I mean, uh, if you take Brees Hall and Mike Rose out of any lineup, like it's it's like a totally different deal. Not no excuses, whatever. Clemson was without guys too, but I compared it to the Notre Dame game, where I mean, you guys fought like hell against Notre Dame, but you just weren't you weren't there. Like they were physically a bigger, faster, stronger program, and it was evident at the time. A similar type of program in Clemson that has NFL guys across the board. Uh, you're without, you know, three or four of the best players in the program and then some depth on top of that. And you guys physically stood toe-to-toe and in many cases um, enhanced, I thought, what Clemson was doing. Uh, did did you sense that? Like, Because I, I just it was easy for me to draw that one parallel, Blue Blood, Notre Dame, Orlando versus the other one. Um, I, I, I thought even in a loss, Brock, it seemed to me – like watching Bo Freiler just step in for Aishim Young like that and play probably the defensive MVP, I, I think, in that game. Like it showed me a really uh, great view of the where the program has come and what the future could be like. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, after the first couple of drives, we're like, shoot, you kidding me? Like, you know, you go into the game like, man, we're going to play in this sort team and in uh, Clemson and everything, and we respected them um, wholeheartedly. Everyone did across the board. But the first couple of drives, were like, man, we're we're toe to toe with these guys. Like, let's go. And so, obviously, we fall short. But after the game, that was one of Coach Campbell's main points. He's like, "Are you guys kidding me? Like, we can, we got what it takes, you know, across the board." And and that was a big thing two years ago against Notre Dame. Um, after that game, you know, Coach and I talked about it. And he's like, "It's it's obvious. Like, you go on film and you look at us, like." Physically, we're not where we need to be to be competing against these kind of teams on this kind of level, um, this this kind of natural stage. And so here we are two years later, we're there. You know, it's just, it's the little detail and things. You know, we've all heard it a million times um, to win here at Iowa State. It's going to take that kind of detail, um, not a big margin for error. But, yeah, we're there. I'm telling you. Um, I'm not just saying that to say that the guys, the young guys that are in our program now, are developed, they're ready to roll, and um, I'm confident in you know this program moving forward. Man, we're we're there. So, cool thing about uh, I've I've enjoyed watching Kyle Kemp be in your ear constantly. What is that? That's just such a neat relationship where you guys obviously played together for the year, and then he steps in and is kind of one of your mentors on the coaching side of things. Can you put into perspective what what he's meant to you in your career? Yeah, um, it's funny. Last night, I was going through some old pictures and stuff from 2018, and 
there's a picture of Kyle and I walking off the field and like right after the game and I had my arm around him. He had, he was walking with me and I sent it to him. I'm like, man, look at this. Like, and I just said, thank you for, you know, what you've done, you know, having my back coaching me up over the years and 2018 wasn't easy for him. Like he went into the year, man, that was his team. And, um, to get hurt and really the first game of the season and then have a freshman come in, you know, and, and be the guy like, that takes a lot of humility to be able to, you know, water that kind of kid, help him out, help him grow. And Kyle did that. And I'll always remember that he did that for four, for my four years. Um, you know, one of the years he's, he helped out a little bit with the tight ends, but even then he's still with me on the sidelines, telling me what he's seeing and the reads progression progressions. And so, yeah, he's been a great friend of me, great role model. And uh, man, yeah, he's, he helped me out for four years I'm with my game and, and grow as a quarterback and what to expect from the outside noise and on campus, all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely thankful for me being my, one of my best friends for life. So what, a, how, how are you able to, I mean, did that teach you something early on that you could pass on to, you know, Bowman and Deckers and, and those type of guys? Exactly. Yeah. Like when those young, young guys got here two years ago, um, it was, it was that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, well, this is how Kyle did it, you know? And I was like, I want to, I want to be that for them. And so, you know, when uh, those young guys got here, we had meetings for, you know, just player led quarterback meetings. And I wanted to give them all the knowledge that I had, meet up with them in the summer. You know, they shoot me texts, all this kind of stuff. I just wanted to be there. There's not, obviously there's competition. You, you got to compete and get on the field and do your job. Um, but when those young guys got here, um, uh, and, and Deckers, it was like, all right, this is what I, what I've experienced. This is the knowledge I have and watching film and when I'm out in the field and, um, you know, hopefully they can say the same thing, you know, for, for how I talk about Kyle. So I love those guys and I hope to hope the best for both of them. No doubt about that. Um, what about, um, how have you and Campbell evolved? I know you guys have always been tight. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a coach, uh, love a player as much as Campbell seems to respect and appreciate you and just what he's said publicly. I mean, I, I know there's a lot behind the scenes, but that guy has constantly had your back. Um, and it, I, I have always thought it was really good leadership and, and somewhat inspiring, right? Cause it's, um, you, you mentioned it earlier when the, you're the quarterback, you get a lot of praise and you get a lot of unfair criticism too. What is Matt Campbell meant to you beyond just a, um, Oh, he's my coach. Cause it seems much deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, you look at the tough games, like that's what comes to mind for me. Um, the tough games, how he responds to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when I don't play my best and, and he's always got my back, like you said, uh, there's no doubt about it, but it's, it's real. Like, um, the next day I'll come in after a game, have, after I've had a rough one and, He's like, man, this is what we got to do. This is where we got to go from here. He's in the, one of the first couple of things he always says is I love you and I trust you. And so when you hear that as a player, it's like, man, you know, this, if my head, if the head coach has my back, you know, everything is going to go in the right direction from here. So, um, we definitely, it's not like, a, you know, you cut, cut some slack and, you know, you have room to mess up and stuff like that. Like he definitely still holds me accountable you know, for my actions, um, for my decision-making, like he'll be real with me. Um, as the years have gone on, he was, Hey man, we gotta be better here. We gotta, you know, you, you gotta take what you've learned from the years past and apply it now. And so 
he's been real with me. Um, but at the end of the day, man, he's been, I think the most loyal person, um, for me in the, in the past couple of years. Um, and when your head coach is loyal to you, man, that shows something. So we definitely have grown with our relationship and everything, but he's definitely a friend of mine and I'll always be able to call him and pick up where we left off. So I feel like too, um, college football is changing. You, you had a front row seat to it. I mean, from when, when you started as a freshman to now, I mean, we could make Brocktober t-shirts. You can go out and do pizza commercials. You can, uh, whatever. But it's changing even more with the transfer portal. You're watching, you're, you're probably going through that with your brother right now. Is it, uh, what, do, what do you think about all the stuff that's going on? And, and, and I guess my thing is from, and I'm a homer. I, I always want Iowa State to win. And I admit it. But I feel like Matt's in a good spot as a coach because of what you just talked about. Like, that isn't, player trust with the coach more important now than ever because of the ability to just get up and leave. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, this whole thing, you know, a lot of people look at it and it's crazy and whatnot. Um, one good aspect out of it for the players at least is it does. Yeah. Hold the coaches accountable. Right. Um, for what they say and, um, you know, actually having each other's back and having trust and loyalty, like, those are things that Campbell has always believed in. And so the great thing about our program will be, all right, well, that's not going to change. He's going to be him uh, still where, you know, I think a lot of other, I guess, programs and cultures are basically getting exposed for that. Right. Um, yeah. So it definitely goes both ways. Um, it is a little crazy still, you know, cause now you got NIL deals probably playing a role in this and going to certain schools, getting paid. So it's all crazy, but Coach Campbell does it the right way. Um, and that's been the biggest thing for our program and our culture is doing things the right way. You know, no backdoor talk or anything like that. Like, what you see from Coach Campbell is real. It's true, and any player can testify to that. So, um, he does it the right way. I, I, do you remember it, it was after the – it was after you guys lost to Tech – and it was kind of like, okay, probably not going to get back to the Big 12 championship game. That door had kind of closed. And Matt made the comment that kind of went viral about how um, basically he said, like, you've never heard me publicly say that our only goal is to win a Big 12 championship, right? Do you, do you know which comment I'm talking about? I know you don't get on Twitter much, but Matt got persecuted for it. I mean, this was Bob Stoops on uh, Big 4 kickoff. I mean, and it, it was a deal. And, and my response was on my radio show to a lot of critics was like, but the, here's the thing. You may not like, like what he's saying, but that's consistent. Like that's, that's him. Can you, I don't know, explain that a little bit more from a guy who's in the locker room. I'm not actually there, but I've spent enough time with Matt to know that he's not sitting around in August mapping out a path to the sugar bowl, right? Like it's, it's more, piece by piece, and then you build up to that. How how did you respond when, when he got persecuted for that? Yeah, um, really, so two years ago, 2019, you know, we went into the season saying we want to do this, we want to do that, like win a Big 12 championship, want to go make it to the college football playoff. Like we had, like, these individual goals um, and standpoints, and – after the season ended, you know, we were like, shoot, where did we mess up? And so really we dove into it and coach was like, man, we just got to focus on us. We got to focus on becoming the best version of ourselves. And if we can do that, honestly, everything else will, will take care of itself. 
And so um, I think that's, you know, that's how he was trying to answer the question. Um, as a player, hearing him say that, we all knew what he was trying to say yeah. and meant by saying that. So for us, yeah, like if we're, if we're the best versions of ourselves, then a Big 12 championship will come. A college football playoff break will come. Um, but what we, what our main goal is to, yes, focus on become the best version of ourselves starting in January, every single day moving forward from there. So um, I'm not really sure. I can see what, how the public perceived it and made a big deal out of it, but us players, we understand what, you know, the real goals are inside the walls, and, and uh, we totally had his back even when he said that. So, um, we, yeah, that's how it is. All right, I got some uh, questions from fans I want to get to here in, in just a minute, but um, I want to keep reflecting here for just a little bit longer. Do you have a favorite game? Like, looking back on, like, that was my favorite. Gosh. Yeah, a lot of people say that or ask me that. Um, I think, you know, there's some big games. You win the Fiesta Bowl, all that kind of stuff like that. That was pretty remarkable. Um, but for me, like, my dream has always been to play college football. And so um, I think – even before I stepped on the field against Oklahoma State in 2018, like I was so excited. Like that was something that I can still remember clear as day, mm-hmm. like how being on the sideline before I went out there um, and then just had fun playing that whole game and really showing the guys in the program, like, Hey, like I'm your guy and let's, let's do this. So that's probably one of my favorite uh, games. One of my favorite games. I'm not going to say it's, it is my favorite game, but yeah, I don't really, I can't pick one game. I don't know if that's fair to say. So that I mean, that would be that's one of the most memorable games of my life. If that because you came in and just well, you didn't look like a freshman. The pump fakes were flowing like we were. Yeah. <laughs> what about the pump yeah. fakes? Uh, did did people start to catch up onto those over the years, or were you still? Were, did you still think they were successful at the end? Um, to be honest, <laughs> I think it still worked. I threw a couple in this year, and yeah, you no, know, we. All- around on film and they're like shoot they're still going for it so <laughs> yeah you can say what you want honestly i still i think it still works i love it yeah man absolutely do you have a favorite um like moment like um like a touchdown pass or you know one of your teammates did something anything real or maybe a post-game locker room anything stand up gosh dude one of my favorite <sighs> it sucks how that last game ended but in the locker room after um you know greg Eisworth. He had one of the best speeches I've seen, I think, since I've been here. Um, and it was straight from the heart. You could tell, like, he was speaking from his heart and he was speaking truth. And somehow, like, when you wear that Iowa State logo, man, like, moving forward, like, we're here. You know, um, our presence is felt. This program is felt. And now it's up to the rest of the guys moving forward, the young guys, really, um, to do something with it. And so, when I saw that, man, I'm like, yeah, like, our culture, everything that we built is real and tier. And, um, you know, now you just got to win in the, in the detail and everything else fall into place. So I think that was probably one of my favorite moments. I, I think your biggest, that you have all these individual records. I think the biggest, like if I had to, like, if I was writing the Brock Purdy book someday, it would be your big 12 record at Jack Tri Stadium. It was like 16, 17, and one, something like that. I don't even know it off the top of my head, but that that's the one that was that would be like unheard of to me as a guy who's been around Iowa State for this long to just have that type of domination over the league at home. What was it about Trice that you love so much? 
Yeah, it's funny. Like my dad and my brother and I were all talking about that last week. It's like, shoot, you know, when you're playing at Jack Trice, it's like, it's over. You know, it's uh, gives you so much of a home field advantage, obviously, but this is different. You know, um, the the fans, just how we play, our mentality is is awesome. Um, but shoot, dude, I, I, I honestly, I don't really know if I have an answer for that. Playing in Jack Trice was special. I loved it. Um, and running out of the tunnel for the first time, 2018, just feeling that energy. I wasn't even playing, and I told that uh, like I was, you know, punching Kyle before the game. Like, dude, let's go! Like, I don't know. There's this, there's just this energy that was different, and it, it it lasted, and it was the same every single home game for four years, um, no matter what our record was. So, it just gave me confidence in all those games, and and that's what happened. So, I still don't know how you guys. And when I said that, just college football players in general handled the 2020 season the way that you did. Like that, did you have to learn how to play without fans? Like, was it different in game six compared to game one? Because it, like, it, I didn't even like going, Brock. Like, it was eerie to me. Like, I didn't like it, piqued my anxiety. Like, I hated being in that empty football stadium watching a game. I could, I can't put a finger on it. Did you, how did you have to evolve? throughout that year because there's no crowd getting you pumped up like you said in 2018 yeah i mean you can say what you want about the environment like you know athletes say man you gotta cancel all that stuff out and that's true when you're focused on what you got to do none of that stuff really matters but you know outside of that right you're on the sideline or you score a touchdown like that's part of the game you know having that emotion having um all that stuff you know just running through you know your veins your mind like that's why I love playing football um, since I was, you know, a kid is for that excitement. And so that, that season was weird um, early on for us because, you know, we, we lost our first game in Jack Trice at home um, to Louisiana Lafayette. Who's, they're, they're a great program, great team. Um, but for us, you know, we went out there and it's like, shoot, this feels like a scrimmage, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel like something's on the line. And so at, we learned our lesson early on, uh, sadly, but, we learned from it and we, we went and understood that we had to create our own momentum for that whole season. So definitely weird, but we got through it. I like to talk about leadership on this, this podcast. What was that summer like for you? Um, Cause I, I assume, I remember talking to Matt like midway through it and we both kind of thought like, because of the player driven leadership within the program that you guys would be okay. But what was as a leader of the team, how did you have to put the program on your back a little bit? Like, were you doing Zooms like this, getting guys to do workouts? How, if you could recall, think back to that. What was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in Florida, shoot, I was – obviously your coaches would call and, and have Zooms and stuff, which was great for meetings. But outside of that, I was just actually calling up, you know, my offensive line or receivers, running backs, whoever it was. I'm like, hey, like, what's up? Like, not – are you doing your workout, but checking in on them and making sure that, you know, they do that. I cared for them. And if we're going to, you know, get back together, like we gotta, we gotta be putting in some kind of work, you know? Um, and so that's, that's how I did it. And then once we got on the campus, um, you know, guys would just get together and obviously like you can't be indoors or doing that kind of stuff. So we were, <laughs> we split up the practice field, you know, all position groups were out there. Like that's the, that's the kind of team we were, but, um, and then even outside of that, we just hung out with in our bubble, you know, the whole season, making sure that we were smart and whatnot. 
Um, so I don't know. We just kept in touch. And that's the cool thing about our team is like everyone loves hanging out with each other. We love being around one another. And, and so for that season, for as hard as it was for a lot of people on the outside, it was pretty easy for us to, uh, you know, stay focused on ourselves, have that leadership, um, you know, throughout the program to hold, hold everyone accountable. So that, that kind of season for us was, to be honest, it was pretty, pretty simple. You know? Mm-hmm. All right, Brock, before we get to um, some fan questions here, my, my sponsor, Graphite Construction Group, this is really cool. They give $500 to the charity of choice for all, all my guests here on the podcast. And uh, this is the first time I've got to do it with, a, with an athlete. I've just had coaches. You're the first um, athlete to come on this. So this will be cool. Where do you want to give that $500 to? Yeah, I think it would be great to go with Night to Shine. Um, it's an organization down in Des Moines, and they, ha- they hold a prom for people with disabilities. And uh, they've been doing it for a while now. I've done it for a couple of years with them, but they're a great organization, and I think that'd be a great one to go with. How'd you get involved in that? Did they contact you, or did you? Uh, how did that work out? Yeah, they contacted um, our team chaplain, and uh, he told a bunch of the team, um, and a bunch of us guys have gone for you know consecutive years and been a part of it. So been a blessing it's been awesome all right night to shine in des moines that's awesome stuff right there and uh yeah our friends at graphite construction group will be giving them five hundred dollars so i got some fan questions here a handful of these it's funny you said that you mentioned high school i had somebody from uh from arizona i I think from your hometown pipe in uh he wanted to know your yeah favorite gilbert arizona restaurant Favorite Gilbert Arizona restaurant. Um, I'm gonna keep it simple. I love Barros Pizza. It's like down the road from my high school. Okay. Uh, yeah, a little place called Barros Pizza. Great wings, great pizza, and yeah, love going there with all my buddies in high school. So. I got family in Gilbert. I'll have to check that out. What about Sea um, um, Town Cycle and what's favorite Ames restaurant? Favorite Ames restaurant, um, man, all the boys love going to Boulder Tap House on Sundays. Yeah. So yeah, good wings, good burgers. We loved it. Okay. Um, uh, choose 62 wants to know your thoughts on the state of the quarterback room. What do you think about the guys who will be replacing you? Yeah. Um, a lot of selfless guys in there. Um, smart, always came to meetings well-prepared and, and even on the field, like you see some, you know, great decision-making, great athleticism. Um, it's in great hands. That's all I could say. And, uh, you know, they're guys that are going to put all their effort and everything to continue to, you know, be team oriented first, um, over, you know, themselves. So I'm like, I'm super excited to see that room continue to flourish. And I know we got some good recruits coming in as well. That'll, that'll fit the room. Um, but coach Gordon and I've talked about that, you know, just the culture within the quarterback room. Like these are the guys that are leading the team and, um, I'm, I'm excited that we got the right guys in there. So JM Forsyth wants to know, what would you say to young kids like my son who have started to imitate your pump fake? Man, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. It's Uh, all over the place. Flag football fields all over central Iowa. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, (laughs) To be honest, you know, throw, do what you can first, and then that's always like the the last case scenario. You got to make someone miss, and you got some room, pull up the pump fake. So, yeah. 
That that's my favorite part about you. So I'm a Vikings fan, just so you know, for that background. And I I hated Favre growing up because he always beat my team, and then he came and played for my team. So I had to like I had to change it a little bit. You're you're my you're my cycle and Favre because of what you just said. Like the play's never over. That's what no. I love about you. Like I love that. I I'll I will I'll be there in the bunker for you, man, because of that. Sir, yeah, it's never over. I mean. That's all. That's honestly one of the things coaches have told me like early on in my career, like, dude, every once in a while you can throw the ball away. You don't have to make something happen. And I would just, you know, shake my head. All right. Yeah. And then you go into Texas first play the second half breaks down and you throw one for 75. So it is what it is. Did you, it seemed like, did that have that aspect of you? Did that have to change over the years? Cause I felt like your freshman year, you, you were almost like, don't take this wrong, but usually freshman quarterbacks, they're almost just too dumb to know like what they should be doing. So they're just reacting more. Yeah. And, and then you think about it more. Like, did you have to, that gunslinger mentality, did that change go up and down throughout your career? Yeah. Um, honestly, yes. Um, my freshman year, I knew the offense. I knew what was going on, but in terms of, you know, managing a game in certain situations and whatnot, um, I think, you know, I had to mature in that sense after my freshman year. Um, but at the end of the day, I still understood who I was as a ball player. And, um, and that's making play, making plays no matter what. Um, you know, still there's some cases where it's like, all right, dude, that's too much. You're doing too much. You cost the team with some crucial turnovers by trying to do too much. So um, that's something that I still have to be better at, to be honest. But um, that's part of my game, you know. Uh, sort of like that Favre-esque type uh, of play. So, yeah. Do you think that that's a compliment, right, when somebody compares you to Favre? I think it is. Uh, yeah, I honestly, okay. yeah. Okay. I, just wanted, I didn't want to, like, insult you, but I, 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 it's an endearing quality in my mind. Uh, Burn587, what's the biggest difference between playing with David Montgomery and Brees Hall? Man, yeah, I think both of them – can make guys miss right at the line of scrimmage. Like we saw that David would break five guys, literally throwing guys off them and getting a nine yard gain. Um, I think Brees was maybe a tad more patient and would make guys miss in the holes. Um, but both of them, man, I think honestly the best two football players I've ever played with in the backfield, like those guys to hand the ball off to David Montgomery my freshman year and then three years after that I have Brees like come on it doesn't get any better than that so but yeah the, the way they make guys miss and make plays out of really nothing I've never seen anything like it so I think Brees is a little bit more he could pull away with David man it's hard to say like if anyone's tougher than him you know David is is one tough dude and so is Brees but but man David David's got something in him too so yeah David just had that knack to like get three yards when he when he had no business getting three yards, and exactly. and it, he's been and the perfect running back for the Bears too. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. If he gets yeah some help, you know, um, with an O line and everything, man, I'd love to see what he could do. So MJN, because uh, there's a lot of guys coming back for an extra year. Did you give that any thought, or were you just one of those guys where like, no, nah, you know, I've I'm ready to move on. This is, this has been great, and I'm I'm ready to move on. Did you give it another thought? Um, yeah, I think I looked at you know guys like Kenny Pickett, right? They used their COVID year, um, and it worked out great for them. Um, but for me, 
I was like, you know what? No, like at the end of the day, this has been a great four years, done everything I can for this team program, the community. And, um, you know, it's time, it's time to move on. Like, I think I've done everything I can for, you know, my, my boys. And so I'm ready to go chase the next dream playing in the NFL. So there was a little, you know, Oh yeah, you do have a COVID year, but at the end of it, I was like, no, nah, I'm ready to go. So it's been great. Uh What's the funniest Matt Campbell story you can think of? Man, funniest Matt Campbell story. <laughs> uh, it's kind of lobbing one at you right there. Yeah, there's a lot of great memories with him. It's hard to tell. Like, he's wrestled multiple kids at practice and stuff, and everyone gets hyped about it. So, like, there's that. There's, you know, the the night before games, he, he and Coach Bike come and room check everybody and – you know, there'll be times where he walks in and there's actually like 15 guys in the room and they all dog pile on the bed. Like, it's just, bad. I don't know. And he goes right back at it. He's a competitor. He and I went at it in arcade hoops. Of course, he posted one on Twitter of him beating me, but he doesn't show any of the other ones. It's all right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. He's a player's coach. We love him. And there's too many memories, really, to list off. That's wild. I didn't know that. Uh, I've never heard of the head coach doing room checks. That's yeah. usually like a GA, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be for GAs and whatnot, but uh, the head guy does it for us. So wow, that's a that's that actually is really insightful. Um, Clone guy eight wants to know how hard it was to adjust to Iowa winners coming from Arizona. Yeah, it's a real honest question because, like, coming in living in four seasons for me was awesome. Um, in Arizona, it's hot or it's nice, you know. Um, and then you obviously don't have snow or like really like a real fall. So when it first snowed, I was like excited and I was like, Oh yeah, this feels like Christmas, like all the movies, like this is awesome. And then you come back from break and then February, March, April, so it was, it's still cold and you know, you got to scrape your windshield in the morning. I'm like, dude, come on. Like I got cold. So I adjusted though. I think it was, it's, it's not bad. Honestly, it's doable. So yeah, I uh, um, I think that's about it from our from our fan ones. One of the one of the other things too that I I kind of wanted to pick your brain about is I don't know if you realized like before you got here that the tight end position was all but like depleted. Like it had uh, Golish and I used to kind of joke about because he had everybody always asked him about the limited use of the tight end position. Did what what's it like for a quarterback to have? That many good tight ends, because I, I think it'll it might be different next year, and I don't know. Like Campbell always says, players formation play, so I assume that they won't be as double tight as much as they have been with you. Did was that a good experience for you? I know that you love those guys, but like as a quarterback, what was it like having that that option and kind of things being pressed in there a little bit more often like that? Yeah, um, for me, obviously, like you come from high school and it's all spread out and mm-hmm. trying to aerate it really right um and then you come into an offense where shoot we got guys that are you know we got three guys like six seven or above so we're going to use them and so honestly i was in favor of it you know i like the 13 person now especially because they're athletic enough to spread out and still make plays and stuff out of it um so i think it was just a great weapon for us and uh you know we still had all the other skill guys had those kind of personnels to come into um and use them and so but at the end of the day, like, I think, you know, we, we use it to our advantage and it worked well. Um, when you have two of the best tight ends of the nation, it's like, why not have them 
in all the time. And you can do so much from that. So, and a lot of times, you know, defenses are going to want to play man coverage. Um, you know, you got your tight ends in. And for us, we love that because, shoot, you got a good matchup on, you know, a little 5'10", five, 5'11", five, DB on one of our 6'7", tight ends. So, I learned I learned to, to love it, honestly. Because at first, I'm like, shoot, I want to spread out and throw it everywhere, right? But uh, after I saw what we were capable of doing with it, I loved it. So Will that help you? at the next level, having done that a little bit more too? I mean, I know the NFL is a lot more spread it out than it was 10 years ago, but the fact that you can do both, is that, is that helped you as a guy at the next level? Yeah, I think it'll help. Um, Obviously it depends on the system that you're in and um, you know, what philosophy and everything is. But at the end of the day, we really did everything. You know, I was under center, did some stuff, uh, condensed formations at the tight ends, spread it out and name it. We did it. So definitely thankful for how coach Manning did it for us. Okay. So let's look ahead, uh, look ahead now for your future and then the program, and then we can, we can wrap things up here Uh, for you. So you're, you're training for the NFL combine, all that stuff. What kind of feedback are you getting right now? I mean, I like, what, what are you working on specifically? Are you working on your body? Like what, tell me what, what the experts behind the scene are telling you. Yeah, um, in terms of, like, physically, um, just lose, you know, a couple percentage of your body fat, but stay at the same weight, um, a little bit more explosive, you know, linear, like, for the 40 and stuff. Um, and, we're, like, my mechanics, like, looking at my mechanics for throwing the ball, um, you know, our quarterback guys really emphasize hips. Just using your hips, getting more, basically, velocity on your throw. Um, so that's something that I'm really working on, um, you know, for the deep ball and everything like that, just getting some extra zip on that. Um, and that, that's the feedback, right? Like, you know, obviously I'm good with the short, the medium, but being able to air it out deep, um, is the thing I got to get better at. And so, um, I'm continuing to do that. I'm in good hands with the QB trainers down here in Jacksonville. So that's been great. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, it's just the decision-making, you know, throughout a game, managing the game in the right way, um, trying to eliminate those you know, turnovers and whatnot. So those are all things that I'm just diving into every single day and doing what I can to set myself up for, you know, the best opportunity possible when I get my shot. Let's say 15 years down the road, would you ever want to be a coach? Yeah, right now, honestly, I would say no. <laughs> um, but I know, like, you know, when I have kids and all that kind of thing, I might, you know, end up getting into it. So I think being at the high school level, you know, where kids, you know, still trying to figure out, you know, who they are and what direction they want to go into life. Like to me that I'm really intrigued by that. So we'll see. Everybody already wants you to replace Matt in 15 years. Just so you know. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry to think. Yeah. Uh, be, the living names again. Shoot. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um all right future of iowa state's program i i'm again like i rock when i left the when i left orlando like i was enthusiastic i i knew it was going to be a weird game just with the amount of guys out and it's just it was a weird game in general because of covid and like we didn't know who was going to play for clemson and just it was a bizarre bowl experience in my mind but i left thinking that iowa state was physically in the best spot that i had ever seen it just uh, just physically, right? And I know how they're recruiting. I mean, what do you, 
realistically, like, what do you think? Because you can't just replace 21 starters, right? Like, that that's going to be difficult, and there's going to be some growing pains. But what do you think, like, the immediate future is for these guys? I mean, what, what, what do you think about the next couple of years in the program? Yeah. I mean, so the young guys that are going to be playing, man, I'm not just saying this to say it. Um, they're mature for their age. You know, they're guys who have come to work every single day guys who, you know, focus on what they have to do and they truly like learn from the guys above that have played so many years and have all this experience. Um, and when I say like, you know, we have a good culture and everything like that's, that's the kind of people that are next, you know, they want to, we made it a big point, like our class, Hey, this is how we do things. This is what it's taken to be successful here. Here's what we have to do. And hopefully when you guys are up, you can do the same thing and just pass it down. And we've had like, actually, we've actually had player only meetings um, where we talk about that kind of stuff. So they understand what it's going to take. Um, but now it's getting experience. It's stepping on the field in the heat of the moment under the fire. Are you going to be able to do, you know, what we wanted to do um, as a team? So yeah, there's going to be a lot of young guys. Honestly, a lot of these guys have had some kind of playing experience, um, you know, the past couple of years. So they understand what it's like. Um, so I'm confident, you know, I'm not just saying this to say this, like I'm confident in these guys ability to continue to, you know, pick up where we left off, but do it even better. You got so, one or you got one or two of them that you think are going to have, be really special that maybe fans don't know of yet. Maybe they've heard of them, but they don't know how good they're going to be. Who would you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Tyler Miller at left tackle. I know y'all saw him really his first, you know, his first career start, um, young buck, but went in there and went toe to toe with Clemson. It's like that kind of, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And we've got those guys that are coming up. And so, um, obviously Deckers got thrown in the Oklahoma game, went in, produced, scored a tutty, like, that's what we're talking about. Jalen Noel had the whole year of experience, but now he's able to lead. And obviously you got X coming back. So that's going to be great. So like there's, you got pieces, Bo Freiler played great all season long. He's going to be a great young leader. Gary Vaughn, uh, one of the linebackers, you got Orion Vance coming back. Like, come on, you know, it's going to be great. The D lines all coming back. So, um, dude, I'm telling you, it's going to be good. I, uh, I really like Noel. He seems like he's going to be a absolute stud. He already is, but like that's a guy. He made that one play versus Clemson. You got him in the middle of the field. There were like three Clemson guys within like three or four feet of him, and he made them all miss. I mean, these are yeah. future NFL guys, and he did it effortlessly. Exactly. Um, honestly, when we were in the summer um, doing like sprints and stuff, and we're watching the DBs and receivers run and and jump off the line and everything. And we're like, Oh my gosh, like, look at this kid, you know, complete. He just glides, you know, he makes it look really effortless. Um, it's just, it's natural. And he loves the game. Like he's one of those rare breeds who is very talented, but loves the game and is going to, going to do what it takes. So that dude's going to, he's going to flourish. Well, Brock, we, we all appreciate it. I asked for uh, questions from some fans and like half of them just told me to tell you how much they're thankful that you were a cyclone. So I hope that means something to you. I know it does. And uh, keep in touch, man. We will we'll all be rooting for you. I, I, always, I always buy the jerseys of cyclones wherever they end up. I hope you're in purple um, coming up in the future. Uh, I know you don't care. You just want to be there. But uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure, my man. Thank you for everything. Yes, sir. Thank you, and 
um, obviously what you do for Cyclone Nation, but also um, for my teammates and now you've been a class act for all of us and Thanks. all your, your so thank you guys and forever, you know, go Cyclones. Appreciate it, my man. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Brock Purdy's a class act. He is the um, absolute core of the Matt Campbell era at Iowa State, and we will remember him for decades and decades to come, uh, wishing him nothing but the best at the next level. And uh, I would even he, – he's, he's right there with uh, Montgomery and Lazard. I'm a Vikings fan. I root for those guys for the Packers and the Bears for crying out loud. That's how much I love my clones. Let's hope that Brock Purdy um, has an amazing NFL career. I think he'll be in the league for a really long time. That's your uh, latest installment of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast, the Built the Weep podcast, uh, courtesy of our friends at Graphite Construction Group. Again, they'll be giving $500 to Brock's charity of choice, Night to Shine, which is a really cool charity located in Des Moines. All right, signing off. Uh, more podcasts coming your way soon here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Later.